Hi guys, I know I've been MIA for a bit, but a lot has been going on in my life with work, I've been traveling a bit, and I'm also planning a wedding which is just two months away, so please forgive me. I am back, and in today's episode, I interview a dear friend of mine who I met almost six years ago in corporate America. We quickly became close friends and connected through our background, the way we were raised, our struggles being Latina women in corporate world. She shares a hilarious story about how she got her first job out of college. She also talks about entering the tech industry, her unibrow drama in elementary school, and how her mom traumatized her. Hasn't all our moms traumatized us? And we also get into how two different men try to hold her back from her potential in college and then again in her career. Today, she is a successful woman in tech about to move to her dream apartment in Brooklyn with a walk-in closet. Need to make sure I highlight that because it's very important. And is currently spending 10 days in Hawaii living her best life. I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story. This is the real Jenny from the block. So my name is Jen Villarosa. And I mean, my name is even interesting because my last name is Italian, but everybody thinks it's Spanish. So I grew up in Staten Island, New York, and all my teachers would say it. Like or or attempt to say it like the Spanish way, so Villarosa. <laughs> so they would like go extra hard, like they would just try um, to make you feel really, comfortable and that you fit in. Yeah, and I would just be like, well, my last name's Italian, so like I'm confused, but whatever. That's not how my family ever said it. So my family background is my father is Italian, but he is like the most Brooklyn Italian you can get. Like he's like second generation or something like even his parents were born in Brooklyn very like stereotypical Brooklyn Italian and then my mother is Puerto Rican and she was born in PR so I I am I identify as Latinx just interesting always having to navigate that like literally since kindergarten like while people are projecting this onto me and like I don't know how to feel about it or you know if it even is accurate so, so that was like, just even starting with my name, you know, having to come up against these, I think, um, identity issues or uh, even like identity politics, like from, from a really young age. But um, yeah, so I grew up in Staten Island. I live in Queens now. I sort of lived all over New York City. I went to NYU, so I lived in Manhattan. I lived in Brooklyn after school and now I've been in Queens for like five years in Rockaway Beach. Yeah, I think that's also something that takes people who are born and raised in New York City a little bit of time to figure out like if you stay here, where your place is or, you know, how you find your place in the city because you don't have somewhere else to go back to, which a lot of people do. And on top of that, did you have any type of language barriers you know because your mom was from PR and your father was from Brooklyn like what was that like growing up so my mom speaks perfect English um her my grandfather my abuelo her father 
would only speak English to her and her brothers and sisters in the house. And they spoke Spanish with my abuela. So they had a very like even split when it came to language. And so my mom's still fluent in Spanish, but she doesn't speak with an accent in English, which is interesting. Um, but when it came to me and my brother, my parents only spoke English to us. They never spoke Spanish to us directly. All of my cousins, none of us grew up speaking Spanish. It just wasn't really something that my mother's side preserved very well. And I think they probably regret some of that now. You know, again, when I was a little kid coming up against how people would perceive me in public because I am fairly tan and have uh, dark features, dark hair, dark eyes. I would be spoken to in Spanish pretty much everywhere I went. And I would have to figure out, well, how, what do I do? What do I say? Because I, I am familiar with the language enough to understand pretty much everything, but I never spoke as a kid and I wasn't really comfortable speaking. Um, so it was just really hard to figure out how to handle that when somebody would speak to me in Spanish and it wasn't a native language for me. You know, how do you respond? You just feel stupid. I just felt stupid always. How does that impact you now? I actually saw something about this in an interview. Um, a Puerto Rican woman who mm-hmm. identifies as Latinx but doesn't speak Spanish. Like, does yeah. that, like, how does that make you feel? Like, does that bother you? Or you, like, you kind of, like, learn to, like, I don't know. So curious, yeah. just, like, your perspective on that. I think when I was younger, the last, I would say the decade of my 20s, I was grappling with that a lot and I felt definitely less than definitely like I wasn't Latina enough or Puerto Rican enough because I didn't speak the language and actually like something that really helped me was over the years going through different jobs meeting I I would always connect with other Latinx people like when it came to my coworkers, like we would just instantly yeah like you um <laughs> we would just become close pretty quickly and yeah. through the because I grew up in a very Italian American neighborhood I didn't have a lot of uh, Latinx friends growing up other than my cousins in the workplace is actually where I met a lot of people that I felt were like me and I learned through like making friends with a lot of coworkers that there were actually a lot of other people who felt the same way that I did or had a similar experience that I to to the one that I did. And um like you know, maybe that Yeah, and like I didn't have to you know, my culture language is a part of your cultural identity, but it's not the only part. And um I I learned to just sort of define what it meant to me to be Latinx like for myself and you know growing having a familiarity with Spanish and growing up around it and having an appreciation for it and the music especially is something that I always had but didn't have to feed into my the way that I identify it, it definitely was hard to figure out you know what my my cultural identity meant for myself and I just, you know, there were times when I thought like, and you probably remember some of this, I thought that 
I had to date like a Puerto Rican guy or <laughs> or like a Latinx guy because yeah. like because nobody else could possibly understand or nobody else could possibly get it. Yeah. Um, and and I think also that was me like sort of grasping at this idea that I couldn't be enough just what I was by myself. I would always be half, I would always just be 50%. And I needed something else to help me feel fuller. And that was wrong. <laughs> I think in retrospect, I can say that that was wrong. And that, um, you've yeah, grown. <laughs> yeah, I think it, and, and not without help from professionals, but I think I have a I mean, even when it came to things like therapy, like I thought I had to go to a let, like a Latina therapist, like a woman who was identified as Latina, like I had to go to somebody like that to talk about these issues. When, I mean, now, years later, I sort of learned that it really actually, for me, it didn't matter. It just mattered that I really connected with the, the therapist that I was working with. But now I just sort of like through exposure to my coworkers and people that I work with and, and other people meeting other people that are like me, you know, that this idea of like, you know, wholeness even within the Latinx community is just like false, right? Because we're all a blend of at the very least three different races. So um, yeah, I just I think I'm really comfortable with it now and you know, I'm, I consider myself Italian American and I consider myself Puerto Rican American, whatever that means, you know? Um, but I think Latinx is a good term because it's, I don't know. I feel like it's inclusive of my experience. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting that you mentioned like the people that you need to seek help from or like date that they were supposed to also be how you identified. Yeah. Like that's so fascinating where, like, my experience was almost the opposite. Like, I didn't, I couldn't, you know. Yeah. Um, Attach yourself to those, those people. Yeah, but for me it was almost because I was, sh- like, ashamed of, of my, mm-hmm. and I, I mentioned this in my last podcast with Alex where, I was ashamed of my background and I, I really did not like being Latina because I was always like bullied and I thought that like being of Latin descent meant you were less than. So yeah. I wanted to I think to, we were you know, both ashamed. I think we were both yeah. ashamed but for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but that shame was definitely there because yeah. there are all these expectations of like what it means to be you know right and like even what you said before people would look at you and just like make the immediate assumptions and like identify you as like what they yeah. assumed you were right yeah. so when people would look at me or you like they automatically assume or at least I thought that they assumed that I was less than because they're yeah. asking me certain questions or like making the stupid like condescending comments or whatever it is that we picked up on at a very early age I mean, I definitely got bullied in school, but I was never like bad. I was you also really... had a unibrow, so. <laughs> yeah, so so like I was really hairy as a little <laughs> kid. Like I was born with a mohawk. 
Like I had a black mohawk head of hair when I was born. And when I was in elementary school, I had a unibrow. Like it was like intense. And it was so bad that even my older cousin, once I was in like fifth grade was said to my mom, like, you need to take her, like, you need to do something about this. Like, it's not okay. Um, so, so when I was in fifth grade, before, <laughs> it might maybe even been fourth grade, like I was young, my mom takes me to get my eyebrows waxed for the first time. And of course she takes me to like some hole in the wall, nail salon, <laughs> cheap ass, you know, like whatever. Um, they take me to this little room and they wax my eyebrows for the first time and my skin was really dark and had never been waxed before and I guess like they waxed the top of my eyebrows which that skin hadn't like always been under hair so it had never seen the sun so then when they when they waxed it I had like two white strips of skin <laughs> above my eyebrows like it literally looked like I had white pieces of tape you're cracking up white pieces of teeth above my eyebrows and it was so bad I went to school the next day and I remember this one Albanian boy was like did you get your eyebrows waxed everybody was asking me but like this one boy like wouldn't stop and of course you know you just deny when you're a kid because you yeah know. you're like no I was like no I'm like clearly I did I just woke up like this <laughs> and and I it was so bad, like I cried, like I was so upset. And my mom, this is like, this is like common sense level. My mom bought brown eyeshadow, like wet and wild, 99 cents, <laughs> brown eyeshadow that you would use to make a smoky eye or something. And she put it above my eyebrow to make my skin darker. And, and like, in retrospect, I'm like, Mom, what is wrong with you? You you used face powder. You used foundation. Why did you buy brown eyeshadow? Like, concealer, foundation, powder. Like, there are so many products, and you chose brown eyeshadow. Yeah, so, so case in point, like, I never really felt like I could go to my parents for advice or guidance because, like, the solution, they were just not, like, solutions-oriented people. They were so focused on, like, the immediate problem, like, which was usually paying the mortgage, that they just were not helpful when it came to school, when it, I didn't need their help there, but like in things that I needed their help with, like they couldn't deliver. I was the same way and we have this conversation all the time. It's like, they just grew up in a totally different world than us. They, it's just hard for them to like conceptualize certain cultures, especially totally. at our age. Versus, mm -hmm. like, what they dealt with, like, to what you said, like, their job was to keep a roof over our heads, pay the mortgage, get food, you know, like, feed us, like, make sure we got to school on time. But, like, that was it. Like, anything else, yeah. please do not come to me for it. So when you had things like that, who did you go to as, like, your mentor? Like, who did you, did you feel like you had anyone that you can confide in, kind of lead you in that right path? I mean... No, <laughs> like when I was in high school, I went to, I went to public school all my life and I went to a specialized high school. I went to Staten Island Tech because I went to like a specialized school. I remember when it came time to apply to colleges and I would, I went to the guidance counselor. Like I have no idea what to do. Like my, yeah. I couldn't go to my parents for help. No. 
and they were all my guidance counselors told me was like don't apply to an ivy league school if you don't know for sure that you want to go there and that you're going to get in because you're hurting other kids chances in this school of getting in so that was the guidance that i had literally like oh don't apply to harvard because you don't even know if you're going to get in and like there are kids here that really want to go there so don't hurt their chances that's what i was told as a little you know whatever 11th grader applying to schools so my god yeah and i had like an amazing average i did really well in the sats i ran track i was in band like i was a really and and on top of that i'm puerto rican right so i you're pissing me off right now (laughs) yeah i probably wouldn't would have gotten in anywhere really um but i just didn't I didn't know and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I always thought I wanted to work in fashion. So I only applied to like four schools. My parents couldn't afford to pay for college applications more than that. Yep. So um, I always like liked the idea of NYU because it was like hipster, counterculture, whatever you want to call it. Very liberal. New York. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I always thought that NYU would be like my reach school. If you remember that term, like reach school, Yes. like the, the school that like, you're not sure if you're going to get in, but you're going to reach for it. Um, of course I got into NYU, got a huge scholarship, like no problem. Like I didn't realize back then that it wasn't a reach school for me. It was like a shoe in school. And I didn't realize that. I don't know. I don't know. I I still don't even know like how to make sense of it, but I just, I definitely wish I had like better guidance and would have applied to at least one IV and and see like what would have happened, but you can't really go back and change those things. Um, But I didn't have anyone to talk to about that stuff. I just didn't know. I was like, NYU seems cool. And I was not interested in like, you know, college, like, frat life and like stuff like that like state state school sports I was not interested in that at all but yeah I mean I didn't really have anyone that I could look to as like a mentor until I was probably in my junior senior year of college and I had professors that really liked me and that helped me I remember I still thought I wanted to work in fashion and I had a fashion internship like my senior year working for this designer Mara Hoffman and it was unpaid of course and i had a professor who i had taken her class and who really liked me and offered me a job as a research assistant helping her write her book and it was like something crazy like 16 dollars an hour or 20 dollars an hour it was a lot it paid really well wow like a, a little college student like and i had always worked retail outside of school to like have money. I worked since I was like 15, you know, however old you can work, I worked retail. Um, And I got offered this paid research position. And I was like, well, if I have to choose between a research position that's paying me 15, $20 an hour, whatever it was back then, versus an unpaid fashion internship, like, bye, I guess I can't work (laughs) in fashion because I can't fucking afford it. You know, like, it was just, I, but I like yeah. always. I always had to make those decisions. I always had to be like financially minded since I was really young because my parents were so bad at that. I think yeah. I mean, I didn't really have anyone to guide me until I was in the later years of college, and then um, you know some professors really 
really took me under their wing. But um, when it came to the money stuff, it was just like, I had to be like hyper-focused. Like either it's, you know, I'm working my ass off in a retail store and I'm doing research or I'm working my ass off in a retail store and I'm not getting paid for the other work that I'm doing. And that wasn't an option. So, or maybe it wasn't like a smart option. I don't know. But I always just followed the money where I could. That, I mean, at that age, that's kind of where your head's at, right? Because you didn't have any other income. You didn't have parents that could like support your lifestyle. It was just the only way that I saw out of like the life that I came from. Like the only way I was going to get away from the life that my parents had was if I made money and was smart about making money. Because no one was going to help me. (laughs) No one was going to do it for me. No one was going to help me. And I knew for sure that I couldn't stay at home and I couldn't, you know, live in that environment. Did you study abroad? I did. I studied abroad in Prague. Okay. Sorry, that was a side note. I was like, did I know this? Yeah, it's a little weird. Um... (laughs) thing about me is that I took Russian for like seven years so I think that was also a reason why later in my 20s I felt like so disconnected from Spanish was because I studied Russian for a really long time like all through high school and college and they're just such different languages and cultures that like I think I really felt that distance grow over time the more I studied Russian the further away I got from like the Spanish stuff um but I really threw myself into it because I really loved the literature. And uh, so I minored in Russian and Slavic studies in, in college. And I went, I studied abroad in Prague because NYU had a campus there. And that was one of the first times that I ever experienced like direct racism. Like I, I think growing up in New York and having not really traveled much throughout the United States other than Puerto Rico, um, I never really felt discriminated against. It was always like projected onto, like we talked about, but I never really felt like directly discriminated against. Um, and, and I think that's because I'm, I, I blend in most places. I don't really stand out like, and I have this intersectionality that I know affords me the ability to like move between and within communities in a way that a lot of people can't. But when I went to Prague, they have, they like are really racist towards gypsies or they think that everybody is like a Roma gypsy, like if they're, they have dark skin, dark hair. So on the tram, like going to class or like this, like anywhere I went, like I couldn't use my credit card because everywhere just assumed that it was stolen. Like, it was just really, really intense. Yeah, it was it was bad. I would get, like, hot and, like, start sweating, like, anytime I had to check out somewhere because, like, they weren't going to let me use my credit card. And I was also, like, dressed, you know, like, you know how I dress. I don't really know yeah. how to describe it, but I wear, like, um, combat boots and, like, dresses and, like, you know, I was dressed like an American, maybe, or, like, just like someone that wasn't stealing from people, I would think, but it didn't matter. It, like, didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and so I, I experienced like racism there in a way that I never had, honestly, in New York. I don't, I don't regret going. I think, you know, it made me more aware 
in, yeah. in so many ways. And, and it let me travel for the first time. Like it allowed me to really travel throughout Europe and stuff. No regrets. Yeah. That's awesome. Going back to the money um, topic that you were talking about before with your parents, I know I kind yeah. of steered us in a, the opposite direction, but um, I'm interested to know more about like how that impacted you today. Like I know you're very successful. You have an awesome job. You've worked your way up in this like tech world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very proud of you. Um, Thank you. When you were younger, like, did you have the concept of what money was and that like you guys didn't have it? Oh, no, I was very aware of it as a kid. Um, my parents fought a lot and they were, my dad specifically was very like always fighting and always, he was always yelling and cursing and all of that stuff. And it was always about money. Yeah. Always because my mom was terrible with money or they didn't have enough money or he couldn't pay the mortgage that month or whatever it was. So. I think for better or for worse, I was like hyper aware of that stuff since I was really young. Um, I, I think I like, I think my dad would give me like, you know, five bucks here and there, or like then yeah. when I was a teenager, maybe like 20 bucks here and there, but I didn't have an allowance. I didn't have like an allowance at all. I didn't, you know, it was like my mom would buy me stuff. My dad would yell at my mom for buying stuff and then they would fight about paying the mortgage. Like that was the cycle. My yep. entire childhood. Yep. Um, I know it. I know it well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. so I was always aware. I think that's why I started working from like when I was 16 or whenever I could. I had like camp counselor jobs. I was, I worked retail. Um, and I just did whatever I could to like have some spending money to like go to concerts with my friends or like whatever you do when you're a teenager. But yeah, I would say my parents like, they weren't like poor. They weren't like below the poverty line, but they were probably like on the. They both they both had middle class blue collar jobs yep. where like they should have been fine, but they were so bad at managing it all that that we weren't fine. And so I think that just made me sort of like everything about the way they were with money with with stuff just made me like hyper independent. Like, well, I have to do this for myself because what I see is like a chaotic, toxic mess and it's not going to help me. So I need to like figure out and how to do it and I need to figure out how to do it alone and nobody else is going to, like no one's coming to save you type of thing. Um, and so that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I also, I mean, as your friend now, when you're like, should I get this? Should I do that? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you should fucking do it. Like, you have the I money. Know. Why are you doing it? And you're I always. I can guess everything. Yeah. I just I know. always feel guilty. Like, I feel like I, I, or I think it's like coming from this scarcity mindset of like, yep. there's never going to be enough. Like, there's not going to be enough money. So like, I have to save or like, I have to, you know, not buy the clothes that I want to buy, even though I do, that's the one thing I like spend money on is like, oh yeah. Clothes and like, whatever, Which you is know, funny but, because I'm like, this bitch will spend $200 on a bathing suit, but she's like afraid to spend like a thousand dollars on like a two week trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. But I am, I, I, I know, I, I know. Feel, I feel like, you know, it's like me combating this, like, you know, place, this mindset where it's like, 
well, you, you, something bad's going to always happen. Or like, you, you're never going to have enough money. Like, you know, you can't spend, you have to save, save, save. Like, cause that's what my parents always told me. Um, so it's me sort of like trying to unlearn, I think basically everything about how they work. <laughs> I'm still working on that as well. Right. Yeah. Mine was very similar where like, it was always an issue, but mine was the opposite. Like my dad was a spender and my yeah. mom was a saver and like, yeah. And then my dad went bankrupt twice. Like it was a whole thing. So very similar to you where I knew as at a young age that there were like money issues. And then as I grew up, I was like, I have to make a lot of money. I have to yeah. have money. Um, and we're in, and we're in the same field. And I don't think that's like a coincidence. I think we like sought out tech because it was like one just like super exciting it's a yeah. super exciting industry to be in but you know you have such a high impact like a lot of the things that you're working on potential to reach so many people but I think also like it pays well like working in tech pays well yeah it just it's a fact yeah so I, I don't think it's a coincidence that like we both wound up in in similar fields and companies just because that's what we were looking for yeah but we still will always have those like little things that we've learned from our parents where it's like save money like don't spend too much like that's expensive but then there are times where I'm like you know what fuck it like I make my own money I'm gonna spend on x y and so Z. like is yeah. that imposter syndrome like I, I I don't know like like people ask me like oh like do you have do you experience like imposter syndrome do you do you ever like get that and yes like, I, I definitely do but yes. I, I for me it's like not in the workplace like when I'm in the workplace I'm like I deserve to be here because I work my ass off to be here and I know that but when I go to book a vacation or buy something expensive that voice is loud <laughs> yeah yeah you're so right it like, doesn't really make sense I'm like yeah. but I, I think that's what it is if you know like that's so interesting. I'd never actually thought of that because I'm like feel the same where I'm like, I deserve to be at this fucking job. But then it's like, yeah. wait, should I be buying these like really nice jeans or like, do I need these Jimmy Choo's? Like, you know, <laughs> I knew you were going to call me out on that. <laughs> that's, been the, that's been the latest episode. But like, <laughs> okay, I just that was my wedding gift to myself, which again, here I am. like, And you deserve it. Exactly. But I, I do definitely find myself like, um, giving myself excuses for why I deserve it. But like I do, like I never buy myself anything that expensive. And then when I did, I was yeah. like, you know what, who cares? These shoes are yeah. awesome. Um, but I also keep it private. Like that's the other thing that I think mm -hmm. is similar with you and I, where we do like these nice things and whatever, but like we don't talk about them because I think a part of it is like the guilt, but also just like that imposter syndrome guilt. Like I grew, I came from nothing. Like I shouldn't be buying these like really lavish things, but I also feel like I deserve them because I did work my ass off and we are here for a reason, you know? Well, I think it's like there, there's something there with like, you know, remembering where we came from and how like yeah. fragile it all is and just like remaining humble and like not you know not I, I don't think you live beyond your means I don't think I've I even come close to living beyond my means but like it's it's hard it's hard to balance that stuff and like you know sometimes like even 
moving like I'm really excited about it but I don't feel like I can talk about it because like it's a lot it's a lot of rent a lot of money in New York City like I don't I just feel like a lot of these like things are really hard to talk about sometimes and it's really nice that like you know we've we've been friends for so long and like just like there there are friends that like we can talk to about these things because I don't know who I would talk to about it you know like Without the judgment piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. With everything that you've done and like everything that you've accomplished, you worked at, you know, places like Amex and Google and like now where you are in your current place, like really awesome jobs, like really great. You know, you've leveled up. I feel like every year you're always doing something new and awesome. When you look back on like eight year old Jen or even like (laughs) 16 year old Jen, like I feel like you were more. Oh my God. Would eight or sixteen year old Jen like look at you now and be like, whoa, you know, like like a here. little bit, a little bit older than sixteen years old? But when I was working retail, I worked at Armani Exchange for years, like literally years of my life, because one of my cousins was high up in Armani Exchange, uh, and he worked in the Soho store, and he got me a job, and um, and so I worked for in in that store in those stores for years, like different stores throughout the city, but. I had a manager ask me, how much money do you want to make? Like, how much money do you think you need to make to be happy? Do you know what I said? $60,000. And his re I said $60,000. I thought that was like- Six zero. I thought six zero was the ceiling for me. You know, like that's how small I was thinking. Like. And not that there's anything wrong with making $60,000. I still think that's a great salary for a ton of people. But Mm -hmm. I just had no concept of, like, what my potential was or, like, how far I could go. Or even, like, you know, how I wanted to live. Yeah. You know? Because there's a ton of people who, if you make $60,000 and you live in, like, some small town, you know, you're probably living great. But... In Brooklyn, New York, you're probably not living great on that salary. No. So he laughed in my face anyway. My manager, <laughs> gay Mexican guy, he was like, okay, Jen, you think $60,000? I'm like, what? I don't know. You know? Yeah. So anyway, that doesn't really answer your question, but I just think to kind of like yeah, the how, how limited I was and like just like thinking about what I could do or become or... I mean, so when people ask me, like, where do you want to go in your career? Or, like, what do you think about, like, I have no idea. No like, clue. Do you know? Do you, no. do you know? Do you have a, I, I'm like, I have My like, dream no is idea. to, like, have a small business of some sort that I'm really yeah. passionate about that I can still be, like, creative and, like, have a different, you know, have something different every day and learn something different every day and work with really awesome people. Yeah where that is or what that is I don't know but I I feel it in my gut that like where I am today is taking me down that right path because I'm Mm -hmm. meeting so many interesting people who also have ideas and similar to you my where I work at Shopify has Mm -hmm. that like small business mindset where like I get to really immerse myself in like the e-commerce space but I also have all these tools and all these resources to learn from if I really like honed in on a specific category right like I could learn so much and still 
be on the right path to what I want to do in my future. But again, like I'm 32 years old, like there's so much more that I have to learn to get mm -hmm. to that. And I don't know where it is yet, but like, I'm happy where I am now. I think eight year old Jen would be proud of me. I think eight year old Jen was very similar to 30 year old Jen, which was like kind of just running around looking for fun. Uh, but also working hard like I would like race big wheels with my brother and all the boys on the block and like they would like drown me in the pool like I was always getting beat up I was not afraid to get beat up more in like Please. a broader broader sense like I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty I'm not afraid to like do hard work yeah um, but I want to do stuff that's like fun and interesting and exciting and I think I've done that um I don't know. I, I had a high school teacher, a Russian teacher, Miss Stern, who back then in like 2007, let's say, had a son that worked at Google. This was like early Google days. And she was so proud of her son. And she used to talk about him all the time. And that was like, I think also like planted a little bit of a seed in my brain. Like, I want to work at Google. Like, she's so proud of her son and I mean I still like I worked at Google in a contract capacity so I was a contractor I, I still think it's one of the best places to work in the world I had like amazing experiences there I met so many amazing people I loved going to that office every day even though I was commuting far like I just loved it so much and you know it's not perfect no workplace is perfect but like I think that you know I think you kind of like weirdly manifest these things right in your life and you don't yeah. even realize that you're doing it and then it happens and then you look back and you're like wait a minute <laughs> I think what I've something I've realized about myself or like struggled with is like having to prove things to myself throughout my life right like mm -hmm. I can do this on my own I don't need anybody or like I can get this job or you know yeah. I, I had a recruiter tell me when I first graduated college, I had a really hard time finding a job. And I went to like all these recruiters, like weird, you know. I like, remember, I remember those yeah. days. I yeah. had bad experiences. Oh gosh. I had I'm a scared recruiter, for what you're like gonna tell me. old guy in Midtown in like some gross office, like look at my resume, look at me and tell me you will never make more than $30,000 in your first job. Mm -hmm. And I graduated with student loans. I graduated with debt. I needed to pay that off. And I was like, well, I don't accept that. I don't accept that I'll never make more than $30,000 in my first job. I want 45. And I won't take a job that's less than 45. And I was in this place. Yeah, can you imagine the audacity? No, and I'm I shook. Was, I was in this place where like it was six months after I graduated I was so like feeling so hopeless like I wasn't going to get a job because I didn't know anybody in like the corporate world I didn't have any connections my parents you know were not in that world yeah and I was like oh I guess I'm gonna work retail for the rest of my life I guess I went to NYU just to do the same shit I've been doing I went to Atlantic City for my friend's birthday it was like 2 a.m we're like in the casino in the Borgata, we, we left the club, we were like going home early, 2am is like early for AC to go home. And 
one of my friends runs off and starts gambling at a slot machine and we're like oh my god we have to wait for her like come on like what is she doing and then this flock of men come up to us in t-shirts that say game over like bachelor party t-shirts i when i tell you i was being such a bitch like i was like rolling my eyes this poor guy is like hey, like, you know, what do you do for a living? As his friends were, like, trying to flirt with my friends. And I was just, like, not having it. I was like, actually, I'm looking for a job, like, super aggressively. <laughs> he just goes, he just goes, oh, really? Like, my company's hiring. Like, where did you go to school? Like, what did you graduate in? You know, whatever. So then I'm like, oh, really? He was like, yeah, send me your resume. Like, my company's hiring. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll send it in. And I was like, Okay, what's your email? <laughs> so I send this guy my resume the next day, like immediately. He submits it. It was like some financial, like a Bloomberg of sorts. Yeah. Um, and he submitted my resume as a referral. They like instantly called me for an interview. I nailed it and I got hired. And that was my first like corporate job out of school and that's how I got it was through a random person that I met at 2am I have no idea where this guy is now like I have no idea what happened to him I've got I was just doing like client relations stuff like it was really like random as hell but that was my first job in the corporate world and I did it for a year and I hated it and and then I was like I want to work in tech and I got a job at Indeed and that was how I broke into tech. Oh, and I was making 45. She did it. She got the salary she wanted. She got herself a job in tech and the rest is history. Moral of the story, do not let others tell you what you are capable of and make sure you're nice to random people that you meet at a casino in Atlantic City. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding about that. Please do proceed with caution, but always have your resume ready to go. Thanks for listening. See you next time.